Looking at uh, Matthew, the 20th chapter this morning, I want to take a look at a mom that we see in the New Testament. Now, this is uh, the mom of James and John, one of the 12 apostles, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Mama Zebedee one day takes uh, the boys and comes to see Jesus. We read it in the uh, 20th chapter of Matthew, starting at verse 20. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. Now get the picture here. Here are two grown men following their mom, who's interceding for them in front of Jesus. Jesus asked, well, what is it that you want? She said, well, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Jesus looks at the two boys and says, well, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Well, we can, they answered. Uh, Of course, if they knew what they were answering to, they might not have been in such a hurry. The cup that Jesus was referring to was the cup of suffering that uh, Jesus would uh, take. And they said, sure, we can handle that. And uh, history points out that uh, they did indeed suffer as martyrs for the cause of Christ. Well, Jesus said to them, well, you will indeed drink from my cup, because Jesus knew what would happen. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom have been prepared by my Father. Well, when the other ten apostles heard about this, they were ticked off, indignant with these two guys trying to pull off this power play. And then Jesus had to calm them all down. He got them together and said, look, you guys know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, I want to take just a quick few points here this morning on on our Mother's Day and point out a few things about this mom and what she did on that day now the first thing I notice about this mom that I appreciate greatly is that here is a woman who believed in her children she knew what they were capable of and thought they were capable of the very best and only believed that the very best was for her boys and uh, you know as, as I work with men and women today and, and uh, help them through their struggles in life I'm often amazed as I ask questions about how they were brought up and uh, and I'm so heartbroken when I hear that so many people I dare say many many of you sitting here grew up with parents who yelled at you and told you that you were losers that you'd accomplish nothing that you're a failure that you know on and on and on all the negative stuff that they can possibly think see what Parents don't realize when they're in anger and they say harsh things like that to your children. And let me encourage you parents, be careful. You're not aware that a lot of these things can wound children deeply and they can carry these things well into their adulthood. One of the reasons that a lot of people struggle so much as adults is because there is this voice somewhere stuck in their heads that still says to them, you're a loser, you're a failure. You're a nothing. 
you're a nobody you're a disappointment and they struggle in life trying to succeed but those voices constantly hold them back one of the reasons why many people do not even attempt bolder things in life greater things in life uh, reach their full potential in life is because they have these voices stuck in their heads stuck there unknowingly unadvisedly by parents who said very very cruel and mean things to them let me encourage you moms you dads speak words of life to your children the bible says the tongue has the power of life and death you can either speak death into people's lives or you can speak life into people's lives you need to choose life i'm going to speak life into my kids you say well my kids drive me crazy welcome to the club they all drive us crazy and it's okay to encourage them from time to time all right but even when you're frustrated with them and want to strangle them you need to let them know you can be better than that i believe in you i know what you're capable of and encourage them you can do anything you can be anything god there's no limit for what god can do in your life yes amen And, uh, and I might speak more about this in, in uh, time to come, but uh, in, in the coming weeks. But, uh, um, you know, in, in my own personal life, there were so many times that I failed miserably. You have no idea. And uh, where, where things went wrong and things were not ideal and people said, you know... You know, you'll never make it or that stupid. And uh, even as I travel around the country, I think I shared this not too long ago. You know, oftentimes people ask me, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I travel and, and then I pastor this large church and people look at me and they'll say, well, you can't do that. <laughs> you idiot. Of course I can. I'm doing it. You know, but uh, I don't say that. I'm nicer. I smile at them, but I think it. You're an idiot. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but people are always trying to say, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Everybody, because they can't do it. You know, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why? Who says we can't do it? Who's ever is always putting limitations on. But I have to tell you, even through my greatest struggles in life, and my brothers and sisters would probably agree if they were here this morning to say to you that if there was one thing my mother really succeeded in doing, probably overdid it, quite frankly, but if you're going to overdo it, better to do this. But she absolutely stuck in our heads, we can do anything. You can do anything. You can accomplish anything. Even in the greatest failures of my life, There's been this haunting voice stuck in my head that says, you can do anything. Boy, if you're going to have a haunting voice stuck in your head, better that, then you're a loser. And you're a failure. And my mother did this in spite of our behavior. There were three boys. We were three of us uh, uh, one year apart. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, and then a a girl, and then another boy, and then a a girl. But uh, the three boys... Quite frankly, we were hellions. We were, we were really bad because we were three boys egging each other on every five seconds. You know, uh, stuff like that would have been a normal day, you know, in that video. We were constantly pushing the limits, constantly getting ourselves in trouble. And, uh, but even in the midst of all of that, she constantly reaffirmed that we were capable of great things. And um, even when I was in school and getting in trouble, and teachers would then say to me, you're a loser, you're a nothing, you'll never accomplish anything in your life, da 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 on and on and on and on. I remember thinking, well, that's an odd thing to say, because I didn't believe what they said, because that's not what mama taught me. Even though my behavior agreed more with what the teacher said, 
my head and my heart agreed with what mama said. And I separated my behavior from my potential. Hard to do, I understand that, but I'm telling you, I can honestly say this has been one of the greatest things, and again, I think my brothers and sisters would agree for the most part that this is what has helped us to press forward and to succeed. My brother Eddie would, you know, he writes about it in his book, you know, that uh, all his life he heard, you can do anything, you're a gunger. He said it took him until he was 30-something before he realized that didn't mean anything. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but still that haunting voice, you can do it, you can do it. And this mom felt that way about her sons. Secondly, she interceded for her son. She came to Jesus and asked Jesus on behalf of her children. Let me encourage you moms. Pray for your children. You dads as well. Pray for your children. God will listen to your prayers. But pray specifically. You see the challenges that are before them. You see the struggles that they have. You should be more intimately aware of their struggles and their failures than anybody. Ask God to help them. Pray for them. Let your kids know that you're praying for them. Let them hear you pray with them. We prayed with our kids every day. Not just when they were little. I mean, they were 18 as long as they were in the house. We prayed every night. Everybody, come here. Shut off the TV. Even with their friends, they'd drag their friends. All right, everybody here. And everybody, and I'd read a little thing and we'd pray. It wasn't like an hour and a half devotion. A lot of it was 60 seconds long. Don't have to make a big deal out of it, but just this consistency of praying and let them hear. Because the beauty of this is, is, while it's important to teach your children about God, how important is it that they actually experience God in their lives? That they actually see troubles, hear the prayers, and experience the answers to the prayers. Because I'll tell you, when they get out into the world, all kinds of people will challenge what they think. Teachers will challenge what they think. Bosses will challenge what they think. College teachers and instructors will challenge what they think. But it's really hard to argue with what you've experienced. You see, you could tell me all day long, I don't have five dollars in my pocket. You can reason to your blue in the face, while it's impossible for me to have five dollars in my pocket, I happen to know I have five dollars in my pocket. There's nothing you can say because I've experienced it. Experience doesn't get... That's why it's so important to let your children experience God. Let them hear your struggles. Pray together with them so they can see God answering their prayers. Because that will cement everything you've been taught. And they'll hang in there, man. I'm telling you. It's been a blessing. We're blessed. We did that for our kids. Always hung in there with them. No matter what they were going through. Sometimes they were doing great. Sometimes they really struggled. But we always, always prayed for our children. And we're very proud of them today. They work with us in ministry today. Um, you saw Phil on the video. Ross is my son-in-law. Uh, you saw he's the worship leader here. Um, my daughter, actually, she's going to be singing at the end with all the ladies. Uh, it's kind of funny. I'll point her out later because a lot of you don't know who she is. But uh, um, we're so blessed to have our children involved with us in ministry. I hope someday my grandchildren will be involved with us somehow in ministry. He says, sounds like nepotism. Yep. <laughs> You know, we sneer at that in this country. Someday I'm going to preach a sermon on that. I don't have time for it this morning. But you know, the Bible talks about multi-generational faith. It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't the God of Abraham, Raul, and Bob. 
multi-generational faith. We see it in the New Testament. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. You know, blah, blah, blah. everybody. I'm telling you, there's something powerful in multi-generational faith. Timothy, Paul writes about the great faith that was in his grandmother and in his mother and now in him. We need to start having multi-generational faith so that we can build the kingdom of God. I was just at a conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. These big significant churches I told you about. These big yo mama mega churches around the country. And our church was invited to be part of this. And they're all freaking out because their kids, they're saying 75% of their kids are, are leaving the faith once they leave high school. Well, that's, that's a tragedy if that's true. I can honestly be grateful that's not true for us. We're not losing three quarters of our kids to the devil when they leave here. I don't know what the world their deal is. Because I didn't like the meeting. I don't like meetings like that. Your pastor does not play well with others. <laughs> they really need to keep me home. I just, my kindergarten teacher was right. Mark does not play well with others. But, uh, you know, these guys were crying out stinking loud. I finally said, wait a minute, because we all said, what's the solution? We're having all these programs and all these, you know, these rooms full of PhD and all these highly educated people that irritate the dickens out of me. And, and I, I finally said, wait a minute, this is crazy. Trying to find a solution. We need to talk about the fundamental problem here. If in fact our kids are leaving for the faith, I guarantee you one of the main reasons is because they don't live it at home. And people aren't living it at home and husbands and wives aren't living the example at home. And we need to encourage Strong husbands and strong wives to live this thing out. You know what their big problem was? Well, I don't think we can define a home as a husband and a wife. Seriously. I thought I was in a room with Gloria Steinem or something. (laughs) What in the world? This was sponsored by an organization. I won't say their name, but they focus on the family. I'm so mean, you know. So anyway, you know, I, you know, your pastor, Mr. Polarizer. I had one half the crowd just cheering me on; the other half was ticked off at me, you know. So our new slogan is: "We're working for 50% customer satisfaction." Uh, I'm telling you, I I don't care who somebody is. If they're goofy, I'm going to tell them they're goofy. And I don't care if they never invite me back to their little party again. I just could care less. We're going to do this right. I just, we're not going to be so politically correct. Heaven's sakes! We can't define a family? Ugh. Don't get me started. <laughs> That's not in my notes. I got off track. Okay. Uh, number three. She wanted her children involved in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah! We need to prioritize God's kingdom to our children and to our grandchildren. A lot of parents will put God first only as long as it doesn't interfere with soccer or school or the weather. Now, while I don't have a problem with your kids being involved in activities, and certainly you don't have to be here for everything that goes on at church. Every time the door is open for some activity, you don't have to be involved. Some of you are too involved in things in your kid's life. Slow down. Take a breath. Get a life for crying out loud. 
If I see you here every time the church is open, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> Unless you're single or you're a geezer like me, then I don't care. It's great. We got the time. But you got families at home, don't need to be serving Jesus the whole time. I've seen churches where the leaders get so involved working for Jesus, their families fall apart. And I will not tolerate that here. (laughs) I'm so mean. And you know, oh never mind, I'll leave it alone. Moving on. Number four. What I loved about this mom is she was bold. She had some guts. I was pretty gutsy. I mean, really. To go waltz it in to Jesus with the boys behind him. Come here, boys. We're going to work this out. Go to, I mean, you know. No, she was off base. But you got to hand it to her. She was bold. I love boldness. Confidence. We need to teach our children confidence in life. Particularly in faith. We need to be bold in our relationship with God. Don't be afraid of God. Don't be hiding from God. Now, how would you feel if, if your kids came to you and said, Oh, Mom, oh, Mom, I'm, look, I'm really sorry. And, and I know you're really busy and you got lots of things to do. With <laughs> Just honestly, can I, can I have a popsicle? <laughs> can you imagine how you'd feel if your kids approached you? You'd be mortified. Don't come to God. Oh, God, I, I know you're busy and, and I'm a scumbag. But, you know, boo, boo, boo. don't be like that. Come to God. You're going to be comfortable around God. You're going to be bold about God. Dem and I have cats. Isn't that kind of a girly thing? Isn't a manly man supposed to have dogs? No, hear me out. We, we used to have dogs when the kids were little, but I wasn't very good with dogs. Because you've got to be careful with a puppy. You, you, you yell and react too harsh with a puppy, you'll freak it out. And then you start walking in, it'll... You know, every time you get intense, it'll just freak out, which I just hate that. You know, just what, what did I, I didn't kill you? Why are you running from me? You know, I wasn't, I wasn't very good at it, you know, and I struggled. But then, then as, as you know, Leslie was, I don't know, she was about five years old. So we got this cat and then we got this cat and uh, uh, we're laying in bed and this cat just walks in and jumps on the bed and lays out right between us like he owns a joint. And I go, you stupid cat. And I took it and I threw it across the room. <laughs> minutes later, this cat walks up, jumps out of bed, sits right between us again. <laughs> you stupid cat, and I threw him against the room again. <laughs> Two minutes later, this cat jumps up, walks up the middle of the bed. I looked at him, he looked at me like, what? <laughs> I looked at my wife and said, I like this cat. You can stay. <laughs> Why? I love that. I love something that just... Now, people say the cats are too dumb to remember what happened two minutes earlier. That's why they, they do that. But, uh, you know, I just love... And, I, and if that's the case, may I be so dumb. May we all be so dumb. Paul said, forget the things that are behind and press forward. Quit focusing on your failures. Don't let your failures and your past define your future. Get rid of that stuff. Be a cat. Get some boldness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't 
don't let life discourage you so much. You know, Wednesday night I was teaching. You got to come out on Wednesday. Wednesday. Sunday mornings I preach topically. That's when you grab a topic and you jump all over kingdom come rambling as I love to do. But on Wednesday nights we take the Bible verse by verse by verse. We take it and we just, it's like a gigantic Bible study. And we have great fun with it. And we really learn. Some of you guys really need to learn the Bible. You should come out on Wednesday nights. But anyway, we're talking in James where uh, uh, he says, you know, rejoice when things are going lousy in your life. And we talked about how in Revelations Jesus said, uh, to him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my kingdom. Well, you can't be an overcomer if you don't have anything to overcome. That's why only married people will get to heaven. <laughs> and uh, I'm teasing, kind of. Um, discouraged when you got things to overcome if you realize the only way to succeed in life is to be an overcomer you look for things to overcome you're looking like I need something to overcome here's the problem, great, why? because I need to be an overcomer, we need to think like that instead of when things come in our life we go (laughs) we freak and we cry, and we go God why is this happening to me, God why is this happening, I'll tell you why because now you got something you can overcome hallelujah good preaching pastor Yeah, 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 yeah. Finally, number five. One thing she did not do well was she failed to teach her sons that in God's kingdom, the way up is the way down. That to lead is to serve. To be first, you have to be last. That authority is not about saying, I'm in charge, do what I say. True authority is about how can I serve you? You see, in the kingdom of the world, Jesus said, they like to exercise authority. They call it the chain of command. You tell him and he tells you. Da, 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 da. And then we get in the church and we think, well, a change of command. I've got, I'm in charge here. I'm in charge of my committee. I'm in charge of the home. I'm supposed to be the leader of the home and bossing people around. That's not leadership. Not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it's about serving. It's not the chain of command. It's the chain of responsibility. You're responsible for people. You know, a lot of women get all freaked out because the Bible talks about men should be the head of the home. And rah, 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 that means they got to boss us. No, no, no. It was never about bossing people around. Jesus said a man should serve his wife and his family like Christ served the church and gave his life for her. That is leading the home. There's not too many women in the world who ever complain, my husband's serving me too much. He's, he's being too kind to me. I've had it. I'm getting a divorce. Why? Because he's being like Jesus to me. I can't take it anymore. That is true leadership. Let me encourage you moms, particularly with your boys. I just finished a whole series of messages on raising boys and being real men and stuff. Teach those boys. Teach those boys that The way up is the way down. Humility. Teach your daughters as well. The way up is the way down. Serve people. In the kingdom of God, we lead by serving. We're responsible. We're not in charge. We're responsible for things. And and watch what happens. I'm absolutely convinced that we can't have healthy churches if we don't have healthy families. And we can't have healthy families if we don't have healthy men and women. We need to get them healthy. And it starts when they're little and teaching them these things. You guys, continue to grow in your faith. Continue to be the men that God's called you to be. 
practice making decisions in your home. You can't just blow off all decisions then until you want something and then you pull this, well, I'm in charge card. Nobody's going to listen to you. Be consistent. When your wife says, what do you want? Peas or carrots? Don't go, I don't know, I don't care. <laughs> what do you want to eat? I don't know, I don't care, I don't know, I don't know. Practice making decisions for crying out loud. When your wife says, peas or corn? Say, I want corn! <laughs> and then she'll probably go, oh, we don't have any corn. <laughs> you ladies don't discourage your husbands all right and your boys women oh my god I don't have time to get into it but goodness gracious my wife will say cook your own dinner ah oh, come on make it for me cook it yourself you're a big boy come on do it, do it yourself you can do it well don't use that pan <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Why can't I get my husband to work around the house? Why? Vacuum the frog. Well, don't do it like that. What's the matter with you? You know, leave us alone. If you ask us to do it, let us do it. You know, I'm just, my brain is just chasing rabbits everywhere this morning. I don't know. All right, we're going to bring this to an end. I'm going to ask the ushers to come, uh, get ready to service communion this morning, the musicians to come back up on the platform and get ready for our time of worship during our communion time. Oh, it's a lovely thing, this love of God that lives inside of us. Moms, what wonderful, wonderful creatures moms are. Always opening their arms, always willing to take you back. Always willing to receive. You know, as children, if you fall down and get hurt, one of the first things you do instinctively is you run to mom. And then, mommy, mommy, I have an owie, I have an owie. And she kisses it, and somehow, magically, the pain subsides. How is that possible? What's in a mother's kiss that makes that happen? Sadly, for a lot of us, when we fail with God, we don't run to him, we, we run away from him. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they messed up, they should have gone running. Daddy, 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 I have owie, owie, owie. They didn't do that, they ran away. They hid. They hid and God came looking for them. You know, we all sin in our lives, we all make mistakes. This time of communion is about focusing on the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. But so many people, they have this owie of sin in their lives and instead of running to Jesus, they run away from him. I'm sure many of you have sinned here this morning. You've, you've, you've sinned in your life. You've done things that are wrong, bad, mistakes you've made. But instead of running to God, you've hide from him. I'm too busy for church. I got to do this. I'm not such a bad guy. I'll be okay. I'll, I'll fix it. I'll, I'll be better than I was. And all this. And, but you can't fix the owie of sin. You can't do anything about it. You're hopeless in your own strength. You need to run to Jesus like a little boy, little girl runs to their mama. Say, Lord, heal me. Heal this owie. Take it away. My sins. 
my failures. That's what communion is all about. That's what this fellowship with Jesus is all about. On the cross, his body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sin. That's what all of this is about. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. I'd like everyone to pray this prayer together. And If you've never asked Christ into your life, if you've been hiding, ignoring, running from him, don't do that anymore. Run into his arms this morning as we pray this prayer. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even when I was most unlovable. Thank you for always caring about me. Even when I didn't care about you. You loved me so much. You went to the cross. And took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And to forgive me of my sins. Thank you Lord Jesus. Amen.